0: Shri Guri Vaishnava Guru Parampara ki jai. Shri Shri Gaur Nitananda ki jai. Daudhikopal ki jai. Shri Shri Gaur Adhamadapa ki jai. Shri Na Shinga Chathurtasi ki jai. Shri Bhagavan ki jai. Sriman Bhaktaparlada Maharaja ki jai. Gaur Bhaktabhinda ki jai. Gaur Premanande. Yeriboh. Can you put a little light on here? Yeah, good. So, good morning. What's your name? i Silas. Silas. First time here? Yes, sir. Welcome. Thank you. It's an auspicious day for us on our calendar um, for our tradition that dates back into antiquity. And um, this particular day is the commemoration of a... I want to say, particular um, emotional um, aspect of the um, the absolute. So we look, to give an example, at the, the Godhead, uh, something like the sun. Uh, the sun uh, in this world is very important to us. If it didn't rise one morning it would be a big deal. Um, We take it for granted. Hmm. For the most part, we don't think like that. And um, every now and then we remember it when it's uh, benefiting us, Um, usually in terms of heat and the way in which a sunny day makes the mind enlivened and so forth. Sometimes we're able in our industrial society to trace out the fact that our food is dependent upon the sun, and we appreciate it in that regard, um, as much as it produces the uh, 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 the rain and 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 sunlight is also necessary for vegetation and so forth. So, as we look further, um, a little more um, beyond the surface, we realize, to one extent or another, that we are uh, indebted to the sun hmm? and um, lighting the world as it does. And uh, and so, in a similar way, we are dependent entities. We are derived, we are contingent, um, if you will, and... Um, as we are upon the sun, for example. So that is in reference, of course, to our present material situation, our body and our psychology and so forth, uh, which, from our perspective, are driven by consciousness. Matter has a psychic dimension and a physical dimension, but different from matter altogether is consciousness itself that makes matter matter gives meaning to it. And we are a unit of that. And so, uh, that said, um, while we appreciate the sun and and can use it to some extent as an analogy to help us uh, refer to or think about the importance of the Godhead in our life, the way I've spoken about it thus far only pertains to our psychic and physical reality. And that's how most people think of God in terms of how if they do think of God, they think of God in terms of how God can benefit them hmm? for the most part, make a bargain, do something God will give me this or, or that and so forth and that's a start I could I would say but uh, but the point is that I'm making is that that um, that while God like the sun, is a provider and essential and therefore um, something to which or to whom we sh- should um, relate in gratitude. Hmm? The the sun, just like God, or God just like the sun, is has is, is about more than what the Godhead can do for us in terms of our mind and and body. Hmm? It's not, that is to say, from the a deeper perspective, that our source that of consciousness that we are like a ray of hmm, is its whole life, if you will, just moves around our uh, material necessities and our confusion in material life. It has, the God, it has a life of His own, mm-hmm. like the sun, mm-hmm. that has a life of its own, besides the fact that it does for us in ways that I've described very basically and should draw. Uh, Causes to be uh, to at least um, appreciate with some gratitude. Um, Besides that, on the sun, there's all kinds of things going on, right? Nuclear explosions, and who can fathom what that's about, what that's like? hmm? So, in what we are gathered for today, in one sense, is um, a celebration of an event. That is something like a nuclear explosion on the sun that is distant from us in our present condition, um, and that we don't, we hardly even think about with gratitude for the sun, for what it does for us materially, what to speak of thinking about what might be going on on the sun's mind, if you will, in its world, hmm? what that's all about, and so forth. So, in our tradition, we're interested to use that analogy, in the Godhead's life and what turns God on, so to speak, rather than just what God might provide for us in our present situation, which is a limited, temporary situation. is not the whole picture of our lives either. We're not these bodies. We're not the minds. We're a unit of consciousness to come out from under that misconception is a development then um, that will enable us to have a deeper appreciation of what the Godhead is like rather than just a provider of material things. Hmm. He is consciousness. We are consciousness. He's our source, and 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 he has an extraordinary life, if you will. So, um, therefore, the avatar... We're celebrating the, the, the commemoration of an avatar, or the, the concept of an avatar. Avatar means, tara means to cross. Ava means, so to cross from up to down. Hmm. So to come from uh, his world in the super subjective, meditative realm, if you will, which is the real world. This is an important point to underscore. We think the real world is, is the physical world, because we're at We're identified with it. Hmm? But the only thing that's making it meaningful is ourselves, who identify with it. So we're far more meaningful and real, if you will, than the movements of the world that are, to a large extent, a result of our identifying with it. Hmm? I've given an example before that that the TV may be interesting, but the viewer is a lot more important. (laughs) Right? Hmm. So... The world may be interesting and draw our attention, but in doing so, it becomes as interesting as it does. So how interesting are we? Because it's our attention on the world that gives it meaning, life, purpose, and so forth. So we get lost in the movements of the world and lose sight of the fact that, that as wonderful as they are, they're derived from ourselves, in a sense, in as much as consciousness drives the world. And we are consciousness, not matter. So the real world, the important world, is the world of consciousness more than the physical world. But because we're identified with the physical world, we think that's the real world. So when I speak of the super kind of subjective, meditative world, we're talking about a world of consciousness itself, and the Godhead has life there, and we can have a life there. And so in that realm, if you will, in, in a sacred text of the Hindus, it's called Vaikuntha. Kunta means anxiety, so Vaikuntha means without any anxiety, hmm? a realm without any anxiety. That's a very um, simple way of speaking about it. Um, but in that realm, then God it has an emotional life, and so what we call that emotional life is, in, in, in Sanskrit term, is, is Rasa. It also means taste. It it implies an interaction, interaction between the devotee and the object of devotion, the uh, the devotee and and the godhead himself. Hmm. And so there are a number of dominant types of emotions that can kind of define a person, like friendship, could define me, I'm, I'm your friend, or someone is uh, one's lover, and they're defined by that. They have other emotions as well in the in, in in midst of that, but the, there are certain powerful defining emotions. So amongst them, in Indian aesthetics, five of them have been um, uh, separated out as prominent uh, defining emotions, and seven of them as secondary defining emotions, because they have the power to override a primary emotion for some time. Like, let me give an example. Let's say you you're defined by a primary, prominent um, emotion of loving God as a in friendship. You think of God as your friend. Hmm? So that's a as opposed to thinking of him as your your lover or your your object of worship. That would object of worship we have a servile sentiment, servant, friend friend sentiment, lover sentiment, so different sentiment. So in the context of being the friend of God, or the friend of anyone, let's say, let's say you and I are friends, then in the context of that, that defining our relationship and who we are in relationship to one another, we might also, in the course of our friendship, exchange jokes and end up being overwhelmed by laughter and comedy and rolling on the ground and so forth. So this this is called hasya. Humor. So humor is, is a secondary emotion that can override a person hmm, for the time being and become a dominant emotion. Um but not always. It's not always there. Hmm. So, welcome. So, <laughs> so um, today we are honoring this emotional, and a certain secondary emotional um, reality of the Godhead that the Godhead is, uh, desires to taste, to experience, in relation to his devotee. So, <laughs> it's complicated, but I'm trying to make it as simple as possible. But you, So, so you, you have an absolute that is dynamic where the particle of consciousness unites with its source in a dynamic way. The dynamic union is a loving union. In other words, if I unite with you in love, we don't cancel one another out. We're both there, you and I become we. It's a dynamic union. It means that there's movement then in transcendence. There's some type of movement. Like we have movement here in this realm, but it's a problem because we're moving in relation to things that don't endure to acquire them with the thought that by acquiring them, I'll become more, hmm? only to become less uh, by such acquisition. That is is illusory in the first place because you never really own anything or nothing ever endures. If you have it, as soon as you have it, it starts to go away. (laughs) Um, So um, the movement in this world is thought to be out of ignorance because in reality we're only moving in order to become uh, perfectly happy and happy in an enduring sense. But we're pursuing that enduring happiness in relation to things that don't endure. So that's not well thought out. Hmm? So that kind of movement, karmic movement, is thought to be rise out of ignorance. And therefore it might be wise not to move at all and think, rather than trying to get something by which I can be happy, I am a unit of happiness. What happiness is there in matter? I think there's happiness in it, but happiness is a, is a qualitative thing. Matter is only quantitative. It has velocity, mass, weight. It doesn't have happiness. Hmm? You understand? <laughs> uh, it doesn't have sadness. That's all coming from us. From consciousness This is a qualitative. We're a qualitative entity, not a quantitative entity by comparison between this ourselves and matter. So the prospect of Happiness, love, let us say, doesn't reside, doesn't have its locus in matter. It has its locus in ourselves, in consciousness. Hmm. And so, therefore, we might conclude that in the pursuit of happiness, why am I looking into matter and material acquisition, for example, and tweaking the material situation, changing it here, pushing it down here, it comes up over there. Why am I doing that? Why? Come on, why not just reason this out as we are for the moment and think? Wait a minute, I'm trying to be happy, but I am a unit of happiness, actually. So, we are. We exist. We're sought. We don't. That means we don't. Tr- we don't transform, like everything in the world today, all material things. They don't exist. In a, they're constantly just a state of transformation. Use a Buddhist kind of perspective on it. All material things are just nature in flux. Any particular moment in that is just a moment in the, in the context of an overriding imper, impermanence. Hmm? Seeds become sprouts, become trees, become fruits, become seeds, become trees. <laughs> it's just this is going on, right? So, as opposed to that, everything in flux, constantly in transformation. There is no real thing, so to speak. Hmm? It's just every. Everything, <laughs> a constant uh, transformation. Sat, the Sanskrit word sat, means without transformation. So it speaks about something real, in the sense. We are a unit of reality. We're real. We don't transform. We don't grow old. We don't, we're not born. We don't die. We're not under the jurisdiction of time and space. We transcend it by our nature. So we are sat. And and. We're a unit of existence, not subject to transformation, and we're a unit of knowing also. We know that we exist. We, I've always known that I've existed. Have you? Have you ever known not existing? Some people say you didn't exist at some time, but that's not your experience. Experience is, is the most valuable kind of form of evidence on which we will proceed in our life. Hmm? My experience is, that I've always existed. Hmm? I have no experience of not existing. And I, so I have a sense that I am. That's all we really know in a sense. I am. Hmm? That's a lot. (laughs) So we exist, we know that we we exist. We are sat, we are chit, and, and we are ananda. In as much as to know that you exist and really know it in relation to all things that don't exist in the way I 'm talking about it, is a source of happiness. i 'm not like that. I 'm not like those things here today and gone tomorrow, hmm? which is if, which I thought I was, and it was bringing me fear and apprehension and anxiety and so forth. So in the self in the context of its knowing that I exist, there's also a bliss, if you will, that's kind of like a relief. I know that I exist. I am. I, I know it. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's called Atmananda. It's a kind of bliss. Now, in that sense, we are a unit of happiness. So trying to be happy is a problem. You already are happy. Hmm? And so, now, uh, besides that, you can be happier than you are, not by trying to be happy in relation to things that don't endure, but by being happy in relation to our source or to love, which is the joy of life, in relation to our source. So to love something, not matter, but something that endures our source. This is called bhakti. So from atmananda we go to bhakti nanda, the joy of the self, to the joy of the self's prospect in life. Hmm? in the super subjective world. So that, that is a realm, therefore, as I say, where there's a union between the, the, the spark of light and the fire. But the union is a dynamic union, a loving union. Hmm? And so there's motion, is the point, and movement in transcendence. But it's different than the movement here. Here we move out of a perceived necessity, which is an illusion. I need to be happy I need to secure myself protect, because I might not endure unless I do this or that. <laughs> you are a unit of enduring reality. We think we need to acquire knowledge of the world to know we are a unit of knowing and a unit of loving capacity. So that movement is one thing. We could conclude I should just be still rather than move in relation to things that don't endure. But then again, this is a higher idea further. Move in relation to our source. And that's the movement of love. Wise, wise love, as I sometimes put it. So, we're talking about a, an ideal goal. A goal for all beings to unite with their source in a loving context. Which means that there's movement and emotional reality and life in transcendence. So, Again, these dominant emotions. So the Godhead is experiencing with different devotees these dominant emotions that define them in relation to him, like he has his friends. He has his lovers. He has even well-wishers, like parental love. He has servants, servile love. So servile love, fraternal love, parental love, romantic love, All these things have their application in transcendence in relation to the perfect object of love, Hmm? God, here we call Krishna. So, in Krishna's life, there are so many emotional moments, and these moments uh, are arising out of these interactions with his devotees or the desire for them. Hmm? So in Vaikuntha, this form of Krishna, known as Narayan, is experiencing this dasya or servile love in relation to his devotees. But the occasion that we're celebrating is one in which he has a moment of desire to taste what we call vira rasa. Vira rasa means, vira means like heroism, Chivalry, something like that. Hmm. Now, it's difficult for Narayan to experience this heroism in Vaikuntha itself because everyone's already liberated there and everything's perfect. And who are you going to save or be a hero uh, for and, uh, in, in the fullest sense of the term? Um, there's different types of rasa. There's Dharma-Vira, Yudha-Vira, So this Dharma-Vira means also the, the heroism of establishing the truth. Hmm? Dharma, what's the truth? Championing, championing, championing over a Dharma. Hmm? So with a desire to taste this Virarasa, hmm? Dawning in the heart of Bhagwan Narayan, an extraordinary event uh, takes is 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 generated. This is the genesis of it, and in our main text, the Bhagwat Shrimad Bhagwatam, which is the the kind of the hub around which the many, 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 many um, texts of sacred texts of the Hindus orbit and are understood properly in in relation to. So the the Hindu texts, sacred texts, are the most voluminous body of literature on on our planet. And there's many things mentioned in there from many different angles of vision. They're spoken. It's a form of revelation, speaking to humans, speaking to the human question, why am I? There's an answer coming from the world of consciousness rather than coming from the world of matter. Because it pertains to consciousness. Matter doesn't ask who I am. We do. No matter can't answer that. It can push us in the direction. It's not me, hmm. uh, <laughs> but the answer affirmatively will come from the other side. Hmm. So this revelation is kind of the answer to the to, to, the, to the to the to the the question that humanity is, as I've many times explained. And but it's it's a big answer hmm? because that question is asked on different levels by human beings. Hmm? On, on, on so many different levels, so it's very a very comprehensive answer, on so many different levels. But to sort out all the different levels and why this is saying it over here and that is saying it over there, then we need some context. So we need a hub, if you will, around which all these texts orbit and are understood in context. And that hub, that book, is Srimad Bhagavatam. And also, we need it to be, to be help, We need it to be explained by someone who who's living in it to speak. You need a a book, you need the the teacher. It's just kind of common common sense. So, in that book, Srimad Bhagavatam, which is all about Krishna, ultimately, the 10th canto of the book is made up of 12 cantos, 12 books. The 10th canto is the largest. It's maybe as large as all the other cantos put together. It's, uh, It's quite long. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the center of that book, uh, so to speak, the Srimad Bhagavatam, the life of Krishna. Another aspect of the book, however, is the different emotional um, aspects of Krishna, or of, God, of the Godhead personified, who are avatars, who are appearances from the super-subjective world into the objective world of the Godhead. That's what we call avatar crossing, tara from up to down avatar so i'm saying that these avatars are different emotional moments in the life of the absolute and amongst the different avatars lila avatars lila means to play so movement of the of, of bhagwan in play is they said that there are innumerable avatars innumerable asankhya but amongst them in the book Srimad bhagavatam the lila avatar named narasingha whose day we are celebrating today hmm, is given more attention than any other lila avatar it's a significant point hmm? even more than ram hmm? uh, ramchandra who is more human like and in some ways more like Krishna, with whom, in relation to whom, we see other possibilities of rasa. We see the, the friends of Ram, Bharata, and and the uh, um, um, his other brothers and Sh- Shatrughan. I forget them all. Lakshman, Lakshman yeah. the one I was trying to remember. <laughs> yeah, Lakshman. Um, the friends. We 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 we, we see uh, the, the parents. Of Ram. That's extraordinary. Parental love in relation to the God. You can't find that in, in, in relation in Narayan. He doesn't have any parents, doesn't have any buddies, you know. He's got servants and so forth. Um, so you would think maybe more room would be given in the Bhagavatam to Ram. We're getting closer to Krishna, so to speak, where you find friendship, romantic love, and the possibility of romantic love that exceeds. That possibility in relation to Ram—that's what the sages have done to Karanya when they were chanting their Gopal mantra, and Ram appeared in the context of his leela. They thought the object of our mantra has appeared. And he said, "Not quite, hmm? because in this leela I have only one consort, Ekputney Rupta, is my commitment. Hmm? Noble uh, for a, for a cane. You see, it was very, it was a very noble thing. Very." Hmm, very dignified, very sattvic. Yeah. <laughs> so, he um, said, so you have to wait. Next, just keep chanting, keep, keep doing your sadhana, so we should be a little patient. Hmm. The next yuga, <laughs> I will come as Krishna, there I will accept you in that in Madurasa. Right? That's my consorts, it's possible. Hmm. But the, the hint of it is there, a little bit more... In, 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 in relation to Sita and Ram, then in Lakshmi and Narayan, it's a real, Lakshmi and Narayan is different. It's a kind of a, more of a real married situation, Ram and, and, and Sita. So, in Krishna we have we all have possibilities of, of these uh, emotional uh, re- relationships. That's why he's thought to be the full picture of the Godhead. And, um, but uh, but and Ram is like closest to him, but he's even he's not given as much attention as Narasimha is given in Bhagavatam. There's ten chapters of the Bhagavatam, ten chapters dealing with this this Prahlad and Sringalila in the seventh canto of the of the of the book. And earlier on in the third canto there's several chapters as well dedicated to the genesis of his whole appearance. With regard to Narayan's desire to taste this virasa,
1: vira
0: he—if hmm? he, Bhagwan is to taste this vira rasa, he has to have it. Rasa has to be tasted in relation to a devotee. Hmm? There's the devotee who loves him, and then there's him, the object of love, and then they have this rapport centered around a particular relationship, whatever it may be. So, and he can't—he really can't have it in Vaikuntha. He can't be the hero there. He can't establish dharma and fight for it, you know, for it and overcome adharma in the world where where there there, there is no adharma.
1: Hmm?
0: We see this Virarasa in Krishna lila, but it's called Yudhavira, one of the types of Virarasa. Yudhavira means play fighting, so just mock fighting, like amongst friends, get together and wrestle, you know, and and, and so forth. We find it there. But for Narayan, then, to taste rasa, what will he do? So he needs to avatar in lila and into a world where there is a dharma. But he can't just fight with, with a dharmic people, so to speak, and taste rasa. Because rasa, and being the fruit, the full face of bhakti, is something that's favorable on the part of the devotee, right? Mm-hmm. So, if, if if there's real enmity towards Bhagawan, towards the Godhead, and not a favorable mood of devotion, and so then he's not going to be able to taste rasa. So he needs to have a devotee in the world hmm, who's going to take the role of a non-devotee hmm, and appear to be adharmic and then go and in relation to him taste vira rasa and many other things. wonderful things come out of that. (laughs) So it's very complicated but very interesting theologically at the same time. So this, anyway, this desire for vira rasa, it begins, it, it, it arises in in Narayan, in Vaikuntha, in the third canto, in the discussion there of the nature of Vaikuntha. It's a beautiful description of the place, uh, how it's made up, what the people there, the residents there, how they're adorned. There are different opulences of Sarsti, Sarukya, Samipya, Sarupya. These, they're different. It's a very fascinating um, place with all different types of possibilities. There are people there, for example, in two basic senses, who are there for the perks of Vaikuntha, they want to taste opulence opulences like God. They want a samipya. They want to live on his planet. must be a cool place. I'd like to move there, you know. So you've got a good governor there, you know. Everything's taken care of. So I want to live there on his planet. There are those that um, want to have a form like in sarupya. Samipya would be a higher end. They want to, want to be a personal att- attendant of Narayan. Some people in Shantaras, they just want to meditate. They're just there meditating. Hmm? Seeing him internally. In terms of form. Not interested in his qualities and his movements. That's it. Now there, there, Then there are those who are there primarily for praying. Primarily for praying. And secondarily for the perks of Salokya Sarasthi Samipya. That is the higher end of... Of kunta. you can't get away from some interest in the things that are there, unless you want to go to Vaikuntha. Then you have no interest in those things. sami hmm? This really applies to to the those going to Goloka. Hmm? Hmm? Their their prema is different than the prema in Vaikuntha. The prema in Vaikuntha is still somewhat tempered by interest in those perks for example those,
1: those, those
0: possibilities so at any rate uh, this beautiful description there of Vaikuntha in that section of the Bhagavatam very adhoksaja, very overtly transcendent you know you're there hmm? it's a different world a different realm hmm? fascinating huh? <laughs> And so, in the midst of that, then this this story comes of the sages, the Kumaras. Hmm? They are four boys, sons of Brahma, who uh, decided they didn't want to have any children themselves or be married. Hmm? They stayed. They're depicted as like like just infants, naked. Hmm? The implication of that, of course, is that that when a little boy. Four or so, or three years old. Uh, Kumar. Kumar means under five. Under five years old is naked. Nobody says anything. It's no big deal if a three-year-old boy walks into the party and he's naked. <laughs> if he's fifteen years old, <laughs> it's the problem, right? And five-year-old boys don't want to hang out with girls either. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So they can go anywhere. Hmm? That's is the point. They can go anywhere. There's no restriction for them. So the Kumars, they're depicted like this because their inner spiritual realities, they can go anywhere. They have no prejudice, no bias. Hmm? They don't see in terms of friends or enemies or, or any boundaries. They don't see, these boundaries are all uh, borderline, you know. It's just the borderline. Johnny Mitchell, just the borderline. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, that, that's the world, right? We're constantly making borderlines. Mm-hmm. So they were beyond all all borders. Right? And in their inner reality, they came in touch with Vaikuntha. And, and of course, behind all this, they couldn't come there without Narayan desiring this Virarasa. And so he's going to start that desire... He's such a sankalpa, means whatever he desires happens. So you have to trace out to the, to the core of so many of these things, the desire, so we're starting with the desire of Narayan. So all these events start to happen. So the, the Kumars come to Vaikuntha. Hmm? On the strength of their own jnana knowledge, they couldn't have gone there, but Narayan bringing them there. Hmm? And they go through the, to the... To the, to the, to the Gates of Vaikuntha, and then the two gatekeepers Jai and Bijai are there, hmm? and they want to come in, and the gatekeepers say, "Sorry, you can't come in here. Hmm? Just by knowledge, you can't come here. You have to come." The implication is by love, by bhakti, and, and so forth. So the Kumars they think, "What's going on here? You know, we can go anywhere. These people are making boundaries." Hmm? They're, she has no shirt, no service. Right, <laughs> they're wrong. They're 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 wrong. They're discriminating. They're segregating. Hmm? There should be no segregation. Hmm? Um, and they're right on one sense, because in this world, partiality, it's a problem. If a, if a is if a politician is partial, problem. Right, he's supposed to be impartial and represent the people's vote, whatever his own opinion may be. He's fully transparent, <laughs> and he just does whatever the people who elected him you know, uh, want, uh, want him to do, which he said he was going to do, which is why they elected him. You know, it doesn't work like that, but the, the, that's the ideal. Hmm? The scientist is supposed to be impartial, just collects the facts, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts, and then we deal with it and we don't we don't um impose our own emotional sense of what it should be or what it should not be on it we just take it for the facts something like this hmm. so the judge the judge has to be impartial so all these examples impartiality god has to be impartial He can't love one more than another right problem hmm. So impartiality is, in one sense, the difference between material life and spiritual life. But, that said, in love there is partiality. Now, that's not a bad thing. Hmm. That's a different thing. In the Vedanta Sutra, where the question is asked, is God partial? The answer comes, no, God's not partial. And then, then the question comes, well, how come some people suffer and some people don't? Then the sutras say, well... That's not because of God's impartiality. That's because of karma,
1: hmm?
0: and God. So that you, you, as an individual, plug into the world and try to exploit the environment, and the environment wants a payback. Hmm? That's karma, and so how you plug into it is is how is the return that you're going to get. God doesn't interfere with Maya, Shakti. He's just. Hmm? He doesn't interfere. That's between you two, he said. That's between you, the, the Atma, the Jiva, the unit of consciousness and matter. That's between you. Do. You did that. She says she wants this back. Okay, fight it out. That's between you. I've got nothing to do with that. I'm just a witness here, and I don't interfere. I cannot not fulfill. I cannot be. I cannot override material nature, or she would have no purpose. Hmm? and I wouldn't be called just. And if there's no justice, then there's no place for mercy, because mercy is an overriding of justice. So, um, so he's just. It says, no. So, God's not the partial, but the jivas are acting in certain ways in relation to the world, and the world's responding, and therefore there's all these imbalances. He's impartial. The next... There's one more part that then the sutras ask, well, what about at the beginning when it all started? And of course the sutra said there's there is no beginning. So. Then it says, goes to another another topic, a related topic. The related topic is that but but God is partial to his devotees. So love is a partiality. That's what it is. And so there are devotees of the form of God as Ram, as Nishringa, as Krishna. Hmm? So there's partiality. Some love Ram more than this is different faces of God. Ram is one face of God, Nasringa is another face, Krishna is another face, and so forth. Hmm? So some like Ram more than Krishna. So, so this is a kind of a partiality, but it's beautiful. Hmm? This is beautiful. Here it's a problem. There it it ornaments the unity. Everyone is unified in loving God in different ways. But all the center is all loving God. So the fact that there are many different ways to love God just makes it very little varieties, the spice of, of the life there. So there's a kind of partiality that is inherent in bhakti. And were that not the case, were God not partial to his devotees, then, the de- then devotees would have no impetus to be his devotees. <laughs> so it's thought to be the most, rather than a fault, it's supposed to be, the, it meant, it's it, it said to be the most important ornament, hmm? the central ornament and good quality of, of Bhagawan of the Godhead, is his partiality towards his devotees. Now there's another aspect to this, why he's partial to his devotees, and that is because... Being partial to devotees means that he is, he, his, his realm of emotional life, if you will, is all within himself. He doesn't go outside of himself. Just like we are taught, and we said earlier, we shouldn't go outside of ourselves to matter for an emotional life. It's dead. We should look within ourselves. And further, to our source. So Bhagavan's emotional life is not derived from interaction with matter. The happiness and distress of that, he has no experience of that. That's derived, driven by ignorance. But rather by his own internal nature, we call it the shakti Bhakti is a particular manifestation of that sarup shakti which gives God an object of love. He's the object of love, and he has an object of love. So the one becomes a dynamic two, and so when that when that sarup shakti or bhakti comes within us, one of the jivas, small particle of consciousness, then God has a relationship with us. Hmm? He doesn't have a direct relationship with matter, maya shakti, nor with the tattvas shakti, but with the tattvas shakti imbued with bhakti. Hmm? he has a relationship with.
1: Hmm?
0: He has an indirect relationship with matter, an indirect and slightly more direct relationship with the tathasta shakti, but his whole emotional life is driven by this exchange between himself and his devotees. Hmm? So he's, therefore, it is said that the nature of praying love of God, this kind of bhakti, is that it overwhelms the Godhead. So he's really purchased by his devotees. That's what defines him, so to speak. That's what, his Devotees and bhakti in them is a manifestation of his shakti that makes his life move, be animate, unlike Brahman, as I often say, that's still without any shakti, this aspect of the Godhead. So he's moving always under the influence of his Harup Shakti. And he doesn't have time even to think about anything else. Hmm? Such as the nature of love. We don't have time for anything else. All my time. All my time this year. <laughs> don't have time to go to the temple. <laughs> <You> know, <whatever. laughs> That's a problem. So he's completely... It's a good quality. Hmm? And it, it tells us something about, oh, we can, we can you know, get the attention of our source completely. Because that's where he's wrapped up. So, the the way is segue in there to make a way is through the devotee, who's the embodiment of that love and so forth. So, he's partial to the devotees. It's a beautiful um, quality. So, the whole of Vaikuntha is full of these different types of partiality, which gives it its variety and and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So, these Kumars, these four boys, they come to the gates of Vaikuntha. And they're experiencing partiality. You can't come in here. some some uh, they think these guys are partial. They think this is our land, and you can't come here. Their experience is nothing belongs to anybody. You know That's a whole Nationalism is a misconception, statehood, all womanhood, manhood, all these boundaries and so forth, Sri Bhagavan Go Nitananda Ki Jai, Ki Jai. So, they think that they're in, that these gatekeepers are wrong. And so, as gyanis they, they curse them. They give them a curse. And, then, and then Orion comes on the scene. Hmm. He comes on the scene. He's behind the whole thing. He caused the kumaras to come. He caused the kumaras to curse them. Typically the kumaras, you, there are jnanis who curse people. In other words, the, the implication of this is that knowledge, which is sattvic, <laughs> knowledge, The culture of knowledge that constitutes a suppression of action
1: mm-hmm.
0: can give rise to anger. Mm-hmm. So, Krishna Nagita says, "Don't disturb the minds of the people who are ignorant and, and, and absorbed in karma to some extent." You have to know. You have to be, you have to know how to, it's an art how to do that, right? So, um, because if you if you if you tell them to do something that they, that they can't do. Hmm? then there's going to be repression and then there's going to be anger that's going to arise. So there are many examples in the Bhagavad of, of sages who constitute an example of repression of desire as a solution to the problem of desire <coughs> as opposed to bhakti and spiritual desire being a solution to material desire. Hmm? Because if I love God, then I've got nothing to get angry about, but if I If I don't. um, There was a movie years ago called The Matrix. Some of you may have seen it. And there was a guy in there who um, was part. Neo. No, another guy. There was another guy who was part of the human group. hmm? And he became a defector. He wanted to go back inside The Matrix because he said. At least I can eat and taste and all these things in there, it may be an illusion, but at least at least I can have it so the suppression that they were they were undergoing outside to save everybody that I don't even want to be saved you know because I want the it may be an it may be an illusion that I'm experiencing those things, but I'd rather have the illusion of experiencing them than not having them and have to live this kind of repressive life, something like that is basically what he was saying <laughs> so while there are examples like this to illustrate the point that that knowledge in itself is not a solution, um, but bhakti is a comprehensive solution, the kumaras are not in that situation. But still they showed anger. Hmm? So you can draw that from it on one level, but again, behind the whole affair is this desire of Bhagavan for Virarasa. So the, the sages actually acted a little bit out of character, hmm? given that they weren't in a position of repressing; they were actually realized. But now they're at the gates of Bakunta. They're they coming to a new, a new prospect in transcendence. They act in a way that it seems unbecoming, but Narayan's behind it. Because by the, by his cursing the gatekeepers, by the Kumara's case, cursing the gatekeepers, then Narayan comes on the scene, and what is he to do? He says, "Oh, the Kumaras are here, saintly people." Oh, we should honor them and why you have not let them in the gate and so forth. And they say Narayan says, I'm so sorry that I offended you. These Kumars are very, very smart, so they thought he's saying I offended you. It means he thinks these gatekeepers and himself are one. And we have cursed the gatekeepers. We've cursed Narayan. In a very subtle way Narayan is trying to take them to another level. Hmm? And so then, suddenly, the Kumars, in them, all this remorse comes that we've oh, we've committed an offense, hmm? and what the, the gatekeepers, of course, now are presented with a predicament. They're, they've been cursed. Narayan says, "I'm sorry that I cursed you. Um, you know, your curse has to be fulfilled." Hmm? And they're thinking, "No, no, we made a mistake." And He says, "No, no, you know, it has to be fulfilled." And so the, the the gatekeepers, they have cursed. They have to they have to enter the world of partiality, material partiality. Mm-hmm. And so what is it? They're given the opportunity to to go, and and they can take ten births as devotees in the world of partiality, or they can take three births as demons against the dharma, and and then return. And so showing. The nature of Vaikuntha, they say, we'll take three births, as the demons hmm? get back here sooner. Sati, long <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they take three births is is uh, to get back sooner, and and they then become devotees in the world, hmm? but they're in the role of demons, and now Narayan can avatar can descend hmm, and interact with them in a heroic sense establishing dharma and taste this virarasa hmm, in relation to them so so this is the, in brief kind of the, the, what's behind the whole uh, story so narayan honors the curse and Jain vijay descend to the world and we are honoring this Narayan's desire to taste Virarasa in relation to one of these births, the first of the three births. Hmm? And there were two gatekeepers, Jai and Vijai. And so one of them is taking the birth as Hiranyakasipu. Hiranyakasipu is this demonic figure hmm, um, who gains all types of material powers. Hmm? And he does so by his austerities and penances and uh, like standing on one leg, lying on a bed of nails type things. These, uh, he gets these, these powers that uh, people want power by acquisition. He acquires power by, by letting go of things, hmm? performing austerities, fasting. Hmm? So he gets a subtle type of power mystical type of power. And this subtle type of power, then, in the context of that, he expresses his desire. And it's so powerful, this subtle power, that Brahma, the creator, creator figure, has to appear on the scene. Hmm? And says, what do you want? What, what, what kind of benediction do you want? Hmm? And so he says, I want a benediction that I won't ever die. And he says, well, you know, that's, like, not possible. <laughs>
1: Everybody
0: in this world's got to die. And so then then he says, well, okay, then I don't want to die at night or in day on the land or the sea by the hands of any man or any animal, by any weapon. And he makes all these counterbalances to think that he's, you know, figured it all out. And his promise is, well, I'll give you that benediction. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. That one, okay. So in his own demonic mind, he, he thinks... Okay, I'm deathless now. I can't be killed by this, by the, by, by weapon, by the weather, by this, by that, the other, you know, not by natural cause or so. Any months of the year. Any months of the year, right? (laughs) So yeah, he thought he had it all figured out, and um, and uh, then he went on his way, and he, and he started to gain more and more power. And the interesting thing, of course, one of the interesting things is, again, he went inward with austerities and penances to get power, and when he got the power, he went outward to get things. So this is the way the world works. We go after things, we get tired of them, we go within, and then we come back around and go after things again. You know, So it's just like this boga and tiag, back and forth, back and forth. Um, so there he becomes... With his powers, he, he, he gets gold and things, and his name, Haranya means gold and soft bed." so money and money and women, you know it's what, what he got in his life for all of his austerities, you know. and, 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 and power over others and so forth. And so he had a young son, but his young son, when he was in his womb in the womb of his mother. The devas, the gods, um, material gods, they were concerned that this guy, Hiranyakasipu, what's his son going to be like? Oh my God. And so they kidnapped his wife while she was pregnant. And while she was pregnant and kidnapped by the devas, Narada, the rishi, and devotee came on the scene. And he began to teach the Bhagavatam to Hiranyakasipu's wife, with the intention in his heart of the message going to the child in the womb hmm? and influencing the child in the womb, and so when the child was eventually born, he was born as a natural devotee. this is Prahlad. Hmm? he was drawn to Krishna like like astrologically almost like you know like, like as the example is given, he's just like a force from his very childhood, so. Um, enter enter the de, the devotee. You've got really two devotees. Kasaranya Kasipu is really a devotee also. He's the gatekeeper, right? But he's doing a good job of playing his role in the drama of being a demon. <laughs> Meanwhile, Perlada is born. Hmm. He's born as a demon, but he's actually born from a devotee. right? So this is the under, underlying secret of the, of the Lila. Hmm. And then... Um, as the child's growing up and so forth, his devotional nature starts to show and the father becomes irate. You're devoted to Vishnu. Vishnu's my enemy. You know, I wanted to conquer Vishnu, Krishna, and so forth. So one thing leads to another and the father starts to torture the son hmm, and try to make him give up his devotion. And of course, Prahlad's bhakti is uh, passes the test. He never... Never um, flinches whatsoever, and in the midst of it all, we get to the crescendo, the you know the the, the climax of the whole thing, and and the demonic father, says, you know, you're always talking about this Vishnu. Okay, where is he? And Prahlad says, he's everywhere. Hmm? He's everywhere. He says, well, then is he in this stone pillar right here? Right here? Right he right here? Hmm. And he says, yeah, he's there too. Hmm? So the the implication is that atheistic people can't see God anywhere and the devotees don't see anywhere where where there isn't God. Hmm? Atheistic people ask for miracles and the devotees say, what more do you want? There's There's a tree inside the seed. I mean... What more do you want? How many miracles do you want? Can you put a seed inside of a tree? You know, a tree inside of a seed, and hundreds of mangoes? Tiny, tiny little play. You know, it's magic. You know, so they they just see miracles everywhere. Hmm. So he said, "Yes, I see him in the pillar, but here he's in my heart. He's inside me, hmm. and he's outside everywhere." So, father takes his his sword and breaks the stone pillar. Hmm. And and out of the stone pillar comes this form of Narayan hmm, to taste Virasa. <laughs> and of course his form is, has to be peculiar because he has to bring about the the demise of Aranyakasipu, but he has to do it without doing it in the day or the night, by any weapon. But can't be a man or so he appears or an animal, so he appears as a half man and half lion. He's got a lion's head and a mane. And then and and, 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 and so forth in the body of, of a of a human. So and then he, he takes her on Kasipu and first he starts to he grabs him and then he gets away. And all the devas, the gods, mundane gods are watching from the heavens and oh my god, he got away. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but this not a who's like a, has a lion kind of cat's kind of temperament, if you will, he's just playing with like you see a cat catch a mouse and let it go and then go after it, let it go, and they do that so, so, so no no, no worries hmm? so then finally, of course he he grabs him and he, and he puts him on his lap, so he doesn't kill him on the land or on the sea or in the air, but on his lap hmm? he doesn't kill him by by anything living or anything dead but by his, by his fingernails they're not, they're not alive they're not dead it 's thought. Hmm? Shh. Tears him apart, uh, and uh, he doesn't do it in the day or the night. He does it at dusk, in between the day. And, and all of the assurances that Hiranyakasipu had derived from Brahma as a blessing, by which he thought he had attained eternity, were all uh, uh, counteracted by the very person of Nishringa. So you can try to beat the system, but you can't. <laughs> is the is the idea so. So Nishringa appears, kills him, and then the most beautiful part, in one sense, and we'll conclude with this. We've been going for some time. The most beautiful part, in one sense, is that what Nishringa does after killing him. Of course, he he takes his gar his his, his entrails and and as a garland, because this Suryanikasi he personifies like opposition to devotion, to bhakti, and so forth. So, he um, uh, he He, he kind of like uh, announces by this himself that, that that I can any opposition to devotion i 'm an enemy of that, so call on me if, if you 're a devotee of myself and there 's opposition or obstacles in your path, which many of which of course will really be internal obstacles to the path that he is bhakti Bgnaashna destroyer of the obstacles of bhakti for uh, those on the path hm. Uh, so very friendly uh, to the devotees and very unfriendly to op- the opposition within us to devotion, which is the, the demonicness within us, if you will, hmm? which we want to uproot and get out. So um, when when that's taken out and he wears it as a garland, it, it means that you've become beautiful by that he's made you beautiful, Tom. He can also turn faults into ornaments is the is, is the implication. So anyway, he kills the Heron and and then um, what does he do? All the gods and goddesses are like looking on and they're like trembling because he was so fierce. They don't know what to say. They have some fear. The reason that they have some fear is because all of them have some material desire. So long as we have some material desire, we have some fear. Um Prabhupada, my Guru had a very penetrating glance. Unless your heart was pure, pure you couldn't look at, it, look at him right in the eye. You know,
1: said, ooh, ooh, ooh. you look
0: right in your heart and go, oh gosh, that's a little embarrassing. You have to look away. So <laughs> so they, 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 they didn't know what to say. They, didn't, they, they offered some prayers. It seemed to fall on deaf ears to the Nishringa, who just seemed to rage on and uh, roar and so forth and intimidate them. Lakshmi even came on the scene and she said, I've never seen any form like this. I mean, it's, uh, Leela Shakti is, you know, causing her to think, I've never seen any form. What? So therefore, I don't know what to do. Not because I have any material desire, but I've never seen him like this before. It's my husband. I've never seen him like this before. I don't know what to say. Yeah. He's gone off the map, you know, of the chart here. So... Um, and of course, he's he's all uh, protecting Perlad, his devotee, hmm? young young boy as he was, and and so Perlad approaches, and the Shringa goes, ignores all the offerings, not only of the gods and goddesses, but the sages. The sages start chanting Om and Idam Asanam, and making a seat for him with kusha grass and water like you do in mantra to, to, when we offer to the deities, idam asanam, clean krishnayanamaha, make a seat, offer in meditation. So they're, they're thinking Bhagavan is here. We we'll offer him a seat. He just showed up. Offer him a seat. You know, swagatam, swagatam, welcome, offer the seat. God is here. And he, he ignores them entirely. What does he do? He goes and he sits on the seat of Hiranyakasipu, who was the previous king. He sits on the seat of Hiranyakasipu. Now, one way to look at that is, welcome, by sitting on the seat of Hiranyakasipu, he's making the point that I'm the real king, right? But that's only a secondary point. The most beautiful point, in one sense, in the whole lila, relative to how we've been discussing it as being generated by Virarasa, hmm? is that The reason the Shrinkadev sat on Hiranyakasipu's seat and ignored even the seats offered by the sages was because that seat had been sat on and used by his devotee, the gatekeeper of Bhikuntha. Hmm? And even though it wasn't offered and it had been used by him, hmm? you understand the point? He preferred to sit on that seat. This is the Bhaktavatsav. Mm-hmm. You understand? The seat was a used seat from his own devotee. The devotee hadn't offered the seat, but he loved his devotee partial to him to such an extent that he preferred to sit on that seat. Mm-hmm. This is the seat of Jai Vijay, Jai in this case, in the form of Nasringadev. And then, of course, he made himself the seat of Prahlad. Mm-hmm. So, this is a very central part of the Leela in which the Affection of Bhagawan, in this case, for his devotee with whom he's tasting Virarasa is, if you look carefully underneath, is, 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 is brought out and carried, carried through. So, many, many lessons obviously to be learned from this very long uh, Leela that, as I say, covers 10 chapters of the Bhagavatam and in the seventh canto and several chapters in the third canto more attention is given to the lila avatar of Nisringa than any other avatar, any other uh, sheltered, one of the sheltered tattvas of the Bhagavatam is a a lila uh, avatar tattva. Hmm. Far more than Ram, far more than Vamana, this one, that one. Huge section of the Bhagavatam. Of course, it's said that Nisringa Dev is is is, a, is actually a form of Krishna. How is it so? Because if you look carefully in the Bhagavatam, you'll see again and again and again in these ten chapters, and in the words of Sukadev also, when describing Prahlad, uh, or Suta when describing Prahlad earlier in the first canto of the Bhagavatam, it's brought out that Prahlad is a devotee of Krishna. Hmm? In fact, the, if you look at the Bhagavatam carefully, you'll see that all of the principal speakers of the Bhagavatam and all the principal inquirers in a book that's full of questions and answers and within them stories to answer the questions, within the stories more questions and answers. All of them their Ishta, their Devata, their 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 God is Krishna.
1: Hmm?
0: Every principal speaker, Vidura, Maitreya, listener, Narada, Vyas, Sutta Goswami, the sages of Naimasharanya, Sukadev, Pariksit, so on and so forth, they're all of them their main deity is, is Krishna. So so it is with Prahlad hmm? also. He's not an inquirer, so to speak, but he's a prominent, prominent devotee. And of course, the Bhagavatam, we shouldn't really, in, in this context, we should refer to it by its, by its proper name. Shrimad Bhagavatam Amunikitekim Bapara it, Itself it describes it as such, and other Puranas echo that. Srimad Bhagavatam. It's distinguished from the other Puranas in this way. Hmm? You know you have the this Purana, that Purana, the Kurma Purana, the Shiva Purana, the the Brahma Purana, the Vishnu Purana. Hmm? This could be called the Krishna Purana. I mean, it's all about Krishna. But it's called the Bhagavad Purana, which means here it refers to God. Hmm? You can't. But the way that the the word Bhagavad is very nice because referring to God as Bhagavad. It includes within it the, the, the devotee of God. Hmm? But further than just the Bhagwat Purana, which is a shortcut, a short name, nickname of the book, the full name is the Srimad Bhagavatam. Hmm? Srimad so obviously the implication is, and we can know this from where it's mentioned there in the second verse of the Bhagavatam, as I cited Srimad Bhagavatam, Mahamuni Kritekim Bhairar The verse is saying that this book is such Bhagavat, it's known as srimad Bhagavatam. It's compiled by the Mahamuni Bhyas. And Shrimad Bhagavatam Mahamuni Krita Vāparā-Rīśpāra. it it is such that, 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 that just the desire to hear it alone arrests Krishna within the heart. So what what has the power to arrest Krishna in the heart? That's what the book's about. It's not as much about Bhagawan as it is about Bhakti, Bhakta. And this is the implication, of course, of Srimad. It's a book about the love of Krishna, ultimately. You know, the center of the Bhagavatam, as we say, is the tenth canto. This is, this is, and, and the center of the tenth canto it has three centers. That's what, because Krishna has three identities. Krishna is the son of Vishoda, that's one of his identities. Shodananda, Nandan, nanda krishna is a cowherd boy that's one of his identities and krishna is the lover of radha that's one of his identities hmm? so you have these within the tenth canto we have the three sections that are given so much attention the vatsalya rasa section primarily there we find in 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 the damodara lila covers several chapters very drawn out very played out hmm? this is a window of opportunity the bhagavatam affords for example that 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 Marg took up hmm? balaba his main book is also the Bhagavatam, a certain light of the Bhagavatam. Hmm? in in Gaudiya sampradaya then the other center the, you have the 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 uh, chapters dealing with well 12 13 14 dealing with the killing of bagasura hmm? and the 15th chapter, Dana Kasura. This is all the Sakirasa. From the beginning of Krishna's cowherding at Seish Kumar, the end of his Kumar Leela, into his Poganda Lila. as the 15th chapter begins with the killing of Dana Kasura, and the end of that chapter, if you see, he's become a Kishore at that time. At the end of the chapter, he's coming out of the forest and exchanging glances with the Gopikas. Hmm? This is the Sakirasa center of the Bhagavatam. And of course, then we have the, the Panch, Ras Panchajai, the five chapters. Of dealing with the Madhurya Ras, which is the center of the, of, the, of the center, so to speak, even of the centers of the Bhagavad the, the full face of of Krishna's loving um, reality. Um, so point is that you can read the stories also of Krishna, for example, in the Vishnu Purana, Padma Purana, the Sattvic Puranas for, for Vaishnavas and so forth, but you cannot read them or hear them in the same way that you can from the Bhagavatam, saturated as they are with rasa. In other words, the book will draw out from you hmm, this attraction to enter into the Leelas hmm, in ways that the other texts won't. Indeed, the Vishnu Purana is for going to Kuntha. The Padma Purana is also for going to Kuntha. Therefore, it's, it's the central book for, uh, for example, Vishnu Purana's central book for the Sri Vaishnava Sampradaya. Hmm? In Gaudisampradaya, you know, we find these two sentiments. Primarily, the Madhurya rasa, and a particular kind of Madhurya rasa, unatu ujjwala rasa, hmm? of uh, in 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 kind of servitorship to to, to Radha. Hmm? And we ha- we find obviously by the influence of Nityananda, we find we find some surfacing of Sakurasa and the beginning of, started with Sakyarasa amongst the Gopals. They began initiating and so forth, so. Um, Although Nityananda Prabhu is primarily engaged in bringing attention to Mahaprabhu and his reality and the possibility of Madhuri Rasa, invariably some people will be influenced by him and have been in the Sampradaya, and we see that over over the centuries. Hmm? So these are like the windows of opportunity that the Sampradaya offers us. Hmm? That's why... And a particular type of Rasa also. But that's why I heard someone say the other day, oh, "I wanted to be. I, I know such and such, and she she has attained the, the Bhava and wants to become a Gopi of, of Balaram in the in 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 Lila." said, <laughs> "Me, she better go back back and read the Bhagavatam. That's not about available. <laughs> that's the, that's why in Rasa Lila there in, in the in the in the Basant excuse me in the Saradiya Rasli Raslila, main Raslila, or the Raspanchajaya of the Bhagavatam. You see there's a window of opportunity there. That's brought out in the commentary. There are gopikas who couldn't go that night. Hmm? They were there. They were called by the flute of Krishna, but they couldn't, they couldn't go that night. Literally, it says, you know, they died, but they didn't die because that would have ruined the whole night. If somebody died that night, it would have been, the party would have been called off. So... We find out. We see later in the Bhagavatam that that they died a kind of a death to all that was lacking in them in terms of the necessary positive development of their sthayi bhava, their dominant emotion, to fully participate hmm, with Krishna in in, in the leela, that they that they derived from the association with the nityasiddhas. So later on in the Bhagavatam, we find them also uniting with Krishna and so forth. So what we see there. The point is is that there's a window of opportunity here that's being offered in the Bhagavatam. If you take Ramlila, or Krishna, Balaram's Lila with gopis, it's an entirely secondary thing. He comes to Vrindavan primarily to pacify Krishna's gopis. And as an aside, as, as, as played out in Gopal Champu, he marries the gopis who he met during Holi with Krishna and all of Krishna's friends. At the time of Holi, when Shankasuda was killed, Krishna's there with Balaram, if you look carefully at the text, and their are friends. That means it's not like the Rasalila of Krishna hmm? in the same way. They're younger, they're all the boys and girls together and, and, and so forth, doing holy. Hmm? That's it, Ram got. And when Balaram comes again to return to Vrindavan, primarily to give a message to the gopis and represent Krishna in a representational sense, he's there. And secondarily, he has this Marietta relationship, not rag relationship, with gopis. And they're all the jasiddhas. This isn't an opportunity for sadakas to enter. Hmm? You should know that what Godia Sampradaya offers. It has certain windows, as I say, of opportunity for sadhya, hmm? for an ideal that corresponds with its tattva. The tattva, therefore, understanding the tattva is also part of forming your own Swarup, your own Citadeha. It will hone it. And take, by way of taking out other conceptions about what your object of love should be like, could be like, you'd like him to be like, he's like he is, and Scripture is 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 informing us of that. It's actually the ground making the ground of your own your own svarup, shraddha. If you want to go to a planet of shraddha, well, you have to have shraddha, and shraddha means shastriya shraddha, it's faith in, in in on his terms what he's like as described in the sacred texts and so forth. This tattva is also very, very um, important to us. And, and, yeah. and so each sampradaya has its own tattva, its own way of talking about these, the, the ideal of, of the Paraviyoma of vaikuntha hmm? And correspondingly, there are sadhyas, windows of opportunity that they afford. Hmm? Like I said, in Balaba Sampradaya, then there's a window of opportunity for Vatsaliya Rasta Mahaprabhu gave the blessing to to what, to Balava. To, uh, you can have your own Sampradaya. Of course, it's an extension of this. The um, um, Sri Swami and what is it? Vishnu Swami Sampradaya But Sri Swami was also in. Um, Rupa Goswami does say uh, uh, generous in regard to it after his explanation of of sadhana bhakti bhakti and Rag bhakti in each place he says and there's another group they call it Maryada, and there's another group they call it pushti he's referring to balaba but that has been he's been blessed by Mahaprabhu in this way so so anyway we're getting a little extended here but the point is that the bhagavatam is about love of Krishna therefore when we speak about Nishringa, we say, let's have some, let's hear the Prahlad-charit, <laughs> about the chapters and the character of Prahlad. Understanding the the, the character of Prahlad, then you've understood Nishringadev. Hmm? So Bhagavatam is more about, about bhakti than it is about Bhagwan. Hmm? Even Gita is really more about bhakti. Bhagwan in the middle chapters, the theological chapters, is really only speaking about himself because he has to speak about himself if he's going to speak about bhakti. <laughs> because he's the object of bhakti, so he has to say, I'm this, I'm that, but it's only secondarily. Hmm? He's actually explaining bhakti. if And he concludes, what? Manmanabha mabhavad bhaktu madyajimam namaskuru. So, a big part of Bhagavatam, this Lilavatar, um, um, the Shinga, covering so many pages, and so many chapters, right? In its genesis as we've described today, is this this desire in Baikunta for bhuta-rasa, where it, it can't be tasted, Dharma vira you know, on the part of 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 uh, Narayana. God as we began has an emotional life to enter into that. This is our 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 ideal. So why so much time, I should say, is spent on the Sringadeva? Well, um, it's, uh, so many beautiful points are brought out, but as I was mentioning, Prahlad is clearly described as a devotee of Krishna. His meditation, his object of worship was Krishna. And Krishna is very clever. This is one of his qualities. So his cleverness allowed him to make an appearance in such a way as to counteract all of the assurances given by Brahma, asked for, by Hiranyakasipu to avoid to, 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 to attain what, what he thought would be deathlessness or immortality. <clears throat> very clever and he's very dedicated to his, uh, to his devotees. So, it's interesting but uh, in the of Bhagavatam explains Ram, Nishinga, and Krishna are the three Sadaishvarya Purna who have all six opulences and are in that sense Bhagawan in the fullest sense of the term hmm? so Mishringa is included amongst them and um, and again he's coming out of a meditation on Krishna so you can although he's a Vaikuntha deity he nonetheless has a very prominent role we could see in the lives of Krishna of Bhakti as uh, in terms of the dispensation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu he's he's comes again and again and again and again he came in the, in a life of of, of Gopal Bhatta, right? It was on this day, Nisringa Chaturdasi, that Gopal Bhatta was meditating on the, the, the character of Prahlad and the good fortune of Prahlad that that Nisringadev appeared before him in the way that he did. He went to, to sleep with kind of a lament about that woke up in the morning in his shaligrams, the stones from the, uh, uh, representing Vishnu, in, the, in a basket that he covered with a blanket, the, the cloth at night, it was looked like a snake had got in there or something. There was something else in there, so he, you know, maybe with a stick he pulled it off, and, <laughs> and there he saw the shaligram had become Radha Raman. He's got like here and here, this the the, 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 the the shaligram parts opened up, and the deity came out. And Radha Raman is who's Radha Raman? He's Radha and raman <laughs> In one, Radha Raman is thought to be the way in which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu fulfilled his promise to Gopalbhatta that that after your parents pass away, meeting with them as he was in, as he did in South India, then you go to Vrindavan, and I'll I'll meet you there again. But Mahaprabhu never came again to Vrindavan, When Gopal, by the time Gopal Gopalbhatta got there, so it's thought in the form of Radha Raman, who's, the is there, somehow, in, 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 in Raman, together, he appeared, before Gopal Bhatta, out of the Shalagram. This is, so, this is just one beautiful example, there are many, Rana Sringadeva has some role, in, some place, in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, in the uh, dispensation of Chaitanya There in, in areas, it's said, after he killed Rana Kasipu and all, where did he go? Take a rest. He went to Nabudweep, David Poly, There he, there he washed his hands and and uh, and, and, and took some rest. And uh, and Bhaktivedanta has beautiful prayers to him in pursuit of the Ragmarg, hmm. He invokes him. Actually, Prabhupada used to have a big picture. I remember years ago in, in Los Angeles in the temple of New Dwarka of of nishinga. and after he would offer his respect to the deities of the three altars, and he would turn to go to his Vyasasan. Where he would give a talk, and the big picture there we had, and he would always offer his respect to Narsinghadev. Dave. So he, he, of course, gave us the songs, uh, the the, the uh, some of the mantras to chant, and that in relation that arose in relation to the his devotees doing kirtan, being harassed in the streets of New York and Los Angeles and so forth. So he said, we chant this after all. Murdunga, as we know, is his favorite instrument. <laughs> right? So, kirtan, dispensation, but he had such a prominent role in that in Navadweep when he came out of Sri Va Sangam and started to give to the people his dispensation in the form of nam kirtan, and there was opposition from the Muslims. Then the Shringa made his appearance in, in the life of Chandkazi and. <laughs> and said, that drum is my favorite. And because he said, had because he had broken the drum. and hmm, He said, don't do that again. came to him in a dream. And then the Kazi woke up and there were scratches on his chest. And the man, a man like a lion appeared. And look, <laughs> I've got scratches on my chest. Don't do that again. Hmm. And so he's, he was very prominent in this. There's many, 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 many uh, examples. Bhakti Vinod said that he from Godroom, after he had uh, visualized um, spiritually and empirically, also demonstrated to his satisfaction that the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was in Mayapur. Um, then he, he, he engaged his son, the great Bhaktisanaṃ Sarasthi Thakur, in establishing a temple there that that um, in the latter days, when Artik was going on there, and he used to see from Godrum... His place, where, he, where he stayed, this right at the time, in the Mongol Arctic, like this, like, this, like dust storm, a gust of wind and dust whoosh, seemed to just go down the road and enter into the Shiva Sangha, or excuse me, uh, the, the Yoga Peet, and then he said in time, and then I realized it was no Sringa going to Mongol Arctic every morning.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so many nice examples, and he has beautiful prayers in Namadri Baba Taranga Bhakti Mano or of um, petitioning the Shringadev. In pursuit of uh, rag bhakti to Rad and Krishna, so very important person, and these are some of the reasons why. I mean that, as I say, Prahlad is a bhakta of of Krishna, so Krishna in a very special way makes his appearance as the shringa. Some say that he is the chakra of Krishna, would be, in, of course, in Dwarka. Prahlad is thought to be a bhakti bhakta, and in many respects he is, but. That's another interesting point. Of course, is that there's a spectrum on this rag. Rupa Goswami and Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu gives a, a particular lesson, if you will, an explanation of a lesson on raganuga bhakti at the end of his chapter on sadhana. After he's described Vaidhi bhakti, then in brief, he describes raganuga bhakti as a sadhana, and in the context of that, he explains what is a ragatmika, and it's all in relation to the brudge, So it's the full face of rag-bhakti, if you will. Hmm? But there is a spectrum on this as well. Therefore, Jiva Goswami, Bhaktis and Darbhasis, and Prahlad is a rag-bhakti. He's obviously not rag-bhakti in Braj, hmm? but as a devotee of Krishna, so you could say mixed with Vati-bhakti. Hmm? But a very, very special person to us. Also, Prahlad um, is not somebody to be, someone to be dismissed because he's not a rag-bhakti of Vrindavan by any measure but rather someone whose example is to be embraced and understood as, as something that one has to pass through to enter there he kind of represents the, the, the cusp between the, the material and the spiritual
1: hmm?
0: I to China I'm I don't, you know Bhagavan Singh appeared before him and said okay I'm here this is what I do I bless people what do you want? And said, I don't want anything. No, this is what I do. I'm God. What do you want? He said, I don't want anything. I don't. He kept saying, No, take something. Take something. I don't want anything. Hmm? So he was showing him, showcasing him before all the gods and goddesses, who all had some fear because they had some desire for for something, which brings fear, material desire. That was was the um, example that he could. That he could pacify Bhagawan. This, mean, this means no material desire. It means you have some, you can get close to him. Hmm. Of course, he had spiritual desire too, budding on that on that side, beginning Shanta like this. But um, um, to put it another way, Balabhatirthamarsh, uh some years ago, came out with a book. I think it was based. His disciples came out with a book based on his lectures about Prahlad, Chari, Prahlad, Nisringa, Lila. And on the back of the book, there was a statement, something like, those who say they've read this already have never read this, Lila. We know that Mahaprabhu heard regularly the Lila of Prahlad, Nishinga from the lotus lips of Gadadhar Pandit. So from a bhakta perspective, and a Madhuri Ras perspective, he spoke the Prahlad, Charit, to. Chaitanya Mahabrabhu in Puri regularly. I mean, again, it takes up a big part of the Bhagavatam. So, not a person to be neglected in any way, and many, 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 many lessons to be learned from his uh, his Leela Krishna appearing in a particular way, all for the sake of his. Devotee. Bhagavan Sri Narasimha Dev ki jai. jai. Siman Bhakti Pralad Maharaj ki jai. jai. Sisi Gaur Nitananda ki jai. jai. Sisi Daoji Gopal ki jai. jai. Sisi go Radha Madhava ki jai. jai. Gaur Bhaktavaranda ki jai. 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 Ood. Ood. So, nice to have you all. We're going to have Prashad next. Is it ready? Artik is next. Okay. Any question? Briefly. Yes. I
1: remember in Bhaktam, the different devotees
0: are placed, and the, some uh, understanding of where they stand on the spectrum of bhakti. Like I seem to remember, Rudra Maharaj is like Vishra. Next, yeah. Uh, where is Rudra Maharaj? Yeah, he's the, the he's the beginning of of. Um, of no selfishness, so uh, from from Pralad upward, we go to higher and higher degrees of selflessness to use Pujapachito marsh's example self sacrifice is transcended in a sense by self forgetfulness, so in the brajlila. You have samartharati. So you, you have the desires. For example, the gopis, their desires. Krishna's desires are their desires. They have no. That's they've changed hearts. His desires are their desires. Whereas, for example, on the other end of the spectrum of madhurya rasa in Dwarka, the gopis, the, the, excuse me, the queens, they have some sense of self that that needs to be protected. Rukmini just wouldn't just break the laws of the Dharma and forget herself, and do something like that. Kubja, you know, she's sadarana, so she's got ordinary desires even. Um, so, Prahlad, anyway, he's the beginning of, of, of no, no material desire. Hmm? Pralat, Dhruva's below that, so he's got, he, he pursued God with the desire to attain something great in this world. Of course, when he reached the perfection of Vishnu's darshan, he, he dispensed with that and so forth. But Perlad is kind of the beginning of real, full spirituality.
1: Do so they say he's the first example of
0: shudha, Yeah, right? yeah, that would be a way of putting it. Yeah. You know. where is Ambarish Maharaj in the well, is, 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 is also a pure devotee, that's another thing, but he's not, like, in, for example, the spectrum of that's given by in Bhagwatamrita Bhagavatamrita by um, Sanatana Goswami, so I assume you're referring to that. There's other pure devotees in the, in the Bhagavatam. But with regard to that, you know, from... It's taken, like, Dhruva Hanuman, Dhruva Prahlad Hanuman, like that, so... Mm. What else?
1: Anything else? Well, I'm I'm wondering, uh, is is there um, a backstory to Prahlad before he arrives in the... Yeah,
0: there is. There is. Then that is part of how Prahlad is depicted as a a sadhana siddha. Hmm. He's depicted as a sadhana siddha. A one who becomes perfect through through practice. So his previous life is described as one in which... um, um he did something that would result in two things that he would be born in an auspicious situation but that he would be a devotee at the same time hmm. it's described in i believe in the shringa purana hmm. so in brief um he wanted to have union with a um uh, a, uh, a, a what was considered a lady of ill repute. And um, and so they went into a secluded place and they found an old, abandoned um, Braha temple. You know, there's a connection between Braha and, and the Shringa, And so in the temple, they were going to have intimacy but they ended up arguing. And the argument went all night long. And so all night long they stayed up in a Varaha temple, abandoned as it was, but still in a Varaha temple, Vishnu temple, and it was a codicy. It happened to be a codicy. So they spent the whole night oh, staying fasting all night long <laughs> right in the Varaha temple. <laughs> so then he took birth for his... The Downside of that, as a son of Hiranand Kasipu and the upside was well, he performed. He, he observed some aspect of the codex in the Vishnu Temple. I, I heard that he cleaned the temple first. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. For, for, the for the wrong reason. Yeah, 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 So he did some service in the Vishnu Temple. Stayed up, fasted. Hmm. He might have been part of the discussion. Who knows? <laughs> uh, so, uh, so in brief, the background. Mm-hmm. of a person it's hard to think of with any kind of material background the permission of Kaur says that Prahlad is both a sadhana siddha and a nidya siddha. how can you be both well, in one sense you can be both in the, he's a nidya who plays the part in the Bhagavatam as a paradigmatic figure who's a sadhana siddha Nara does the same thing Nara's previous life is described in the Bhagavatam also but his his life transcends also that to those those stories but so they're, and both of them are described as such by Vishwanakha Plitaka. So I think the way to think about it is that they're Nityasiddhas, but they, they play a prominent role as sadhana siddhas who show through their life, Nara's life is described, he describes it himself, it's auto-commentary on his life to, to Vyasa at the very beginning of the Bhagavatam. It's very instructive. And Prahlad's life is very instructive as a sadhaka. Hmm? So, so is a nitty- uh,
1: Siddha. Nityasiddha.
0: Does he uh, arrive on the Gorali Lassi? Doesn't it, Jisita? As Prahlad? Yeah. Prahlad. yeah. Who is Prahlad? Uh, Prahlad is. There's different descriptions, but they. It is said, I think, by Kabi Karnapur, that he partially appears as Brahma, uh, Brahma Haridas. Haridas is thought to be a combination of Prahlad and Brahma for different for different reasons. There is a. That Prahlad was, uh, was tortured by his father and didn't give up bhakti. And Haridas was tortured by the Muslim government um, but never gave up chanting. So that's said to be the aspect of Prahlad that's present in, in Haridas. Both low births. Pardon me? Both had low births, so to speak. Yeah, low births. Yeah, also. Muslim hmm? and Yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> and the connection with Brahma, of course, is that in the Brahma Viman Lila, Brahma was um, would act inappropriately in relation to Krishna, criticized him for eating with his left hand, <laughs> uh, and so he had to take birth as a as a Muslim. I guess they eat with their left hands. <laughs> Yeah, so, well, <laughs> So, brahma Bhakti Vakti prahlādaki yeah. jāhi. Sisi nisangacaturi sikī jāhi. Oh, yeah. il